Welcome to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show. Well, I went out there in podcast land. As you should all know by now, I went to the Citizen Science Conference to interview some of the important people in science. I'm usually perfect, but not on this occasion. I forgot to switch my mic on. And because the Coral Watch Initiative is so important, I wanted to include this interview with Diana Kleiner. So bear with me while I try and recreate some of the questions that I asked. Yeah, so I learned scuba diving in Holland. In Holland? Yes, in dark, cold, murky water (laughs) where you're very happy if you see one fish. You're super excited if you come out of the water and you saw one fish. How much visibility was there? Maybe two meters, maybe four, but that's about it. Sometimes even less. I've done dives that I've thought, am I swimming in the bottom or above the bottom? Now, I make it sound now really bad, but there is actually a lot to see in Holland. You'd be surprised. So there's a certain area in Holland in the southern part, and it's a mix of fresh and salt water, and it's quite protected area. And there is lots of fish and uh, squid and sea stars and lobsters, and you can actually see a lot there, even beautiful sponges. And What's your most memorable underwater experience? That's diving in a very different environment in the Netherlands, and that was in Raja Ampat. Uh, so Indonesia. So this is the area where you see the highest biodiversity of species underwater. Yeah, so it's the Coral Triangle area. And we went there for a holiday and it is just stunning. It is so amazing. Like you do dives there and the coral cover is is really great. And there is so much variety. And, And not only in coral, also in fish species and different life underwater. It's just beautiful. If you get an opportunity to go there, go. (laughs) That's fantastic. And what brings you to the conference today? Yeah, so I'm um, project manager for Coral Watch. Not Coast Watch, Coral Watch. Yes, exactly. Coral Watch. We're watching corals, so that's very different. And we are at the University of Queensland. We are a citizen science program existing 21 years and we use a little plastic chart the coral health chart um, which has a mix of colors and gradients as an indicator of health so we basically ask people to take this little chart underwater and record match the colors of the chart with the color of the reef and if the reef is quite dark in color that means it's very healthy if the reef is very light in color or can be even white when we see coral bleaching then it's not healthy at all oh wow so we like to understand where coral bleaching is happening and when and if there is recovery and we're asking people all over the world to help collect data so we have basically we have People involved in 80 countries. And that's happening right here from Queensland? Yes. And we are a team of three people. Team of three people? (laughs) Geez, you've got a lot of work to do. Yes. How many citizen scientists in the world are helping in this program? Um, Probably about 8,000. 8,000? Yeah, a bit more. A bit more? 
Yeah. What countries were the easiest to collect data from and which were the hardest? Yeah. Does it come from the old-fashioned way using messenger pigeons? It used to be. It used to be. <laughs> it used or data would come over the fax and photos and hard copies in the mail. Luckily, that's all history now. So the reason why we get so many people and so many countries involved is because it's a do-it-yourself method. It is a very easy, simple technique to collect data. Basically, there's instructions on the back of the core health chart. And if you follow those instructions, everyone can do it. And then we have translated these instructions in 13 languages. So we send these materials all around the world and people get involved because it is so easy. It is really just comparing colors of the chart with colors on the reef. You'd have to decide if it is like a boulder plate-like, a soft or a branching coral. So now we have our database with the Atlas of Living Australia and people can enter it really easily. You do need internet and of course there are places in the world that can be a challenge but by now most places even in Asia sometimes the internet is better than in Australia and you can enter data also on your phones. So we find the data return is actually not so much a problem anymore. How did you get involved? What attracted you to the ocean? So, yes, I grew up in Holland and together with my partner, we decided when we were 30 that we wanted to leave Holland for at least for a while. And we became dive instructors in Jamaica. Jamaica? Oh, wow. And then we started traveling through Asia and then we came in Australia while we were traveling. My husband got a job with the University of... of now he wanted to study with the University of Queensland. And then from there on, he got a job. We did a bit of a journey, but I also did a bit of a journey in profession because my background is, I'm actually an art teacher. An art teacher? So I was an art teacher, did that for two years. And then I became a graphic artist. And um, from being in Queensland at the University of Queensland, I've actually been working in science communication as a graphic artist. So helping a lot with research outputs, with, with posters for conferences, but also a book that we produce with Coral Watch, which is the book Coral Reefs and Climate Change, which is really focused on general public to provide understanding about coral reefs and climate change. So um, that's how I got to start working for Coral Watch, basically with my graphic design and science communication skills. And this was 16 years ago. And the last 10 years, I've been project manager for Coral Watch and run lots of workshops, but still also make all the education materials. Oh, that's fantastic. Definitely. I still remember that we came to Queensland and we were invited by a research group to help them. And this was counting seagrass. And I was like, how can seagrass be, you know, so interesting? And I've learned a lot about seagrass and mangroves and then learning a lot about corals and the interconnection and the whole ecosystem and it's just super interesting i dive a lot uh i love teaching people about the underwater world and especially what you can do to help what is the best way for people out there in podcast land to help the best way to help is saving reefs from home so we have a what can i do save reefs from home program where we provide lots of simple solutions to people 
um, by just reducing carbon emissions, that will be the biggest solutions to help reefs. Because the reason why there's so much impact of coral bleaching on reefs is really due to climate change. And so we really have to combat climate change to make a difference. And I also always say, if you don't want to do it for the coral reef, you can do it for any environment. But whatever you do to help reduce your carbon footprint will help the planet. So it's good for everyone. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show.